Good morning. Uh, this is in, this is orange. It symbolizes, no, this is um, in honor of my mother-in-law. It's her birthday today. And yeah, and orange is the Dutch color and she's from Holland. So it means like Holland rocks or something like that. So there that is. So greetings from your pastor, Eric. I've been hearing from him on a regular basis. We uh, fortunately, we have the ability to text. He, as you know, is... He was in the Philippines for one week, and he's now in Taiwan for a week, well, and a half. And uh, I, I've been posting a little bit on Facebook. I haven't posted everything, but pretty much every single text I get from him starts out, oh my gosh, God is doing amazing things. God is just moving mightily. It's just been incredible. Uh, for example, uh, the first night when I dropped him off at the airport, he flew to San Francisco, and then he had a little bit of a layover there. And then uh, at 1.40 in the morning, his flight was supposed to go. So I woke up at 1 in the morning, and so I texted him and asked how he was doing. And he said, great, I got a great seat. He likes to sit on the end. Got a great seat. I'm so excited. Well, then the next day, I got a text from him, and he said he was the only white person on the flight. He said apparently everybody needed to get to Taipei that night. And uh, a woman had come up to him and said, can I please sit here because I want to sit by my friends? So he moved to the other side of the plane and sat down in this really crowded section. And he said he was just going, why, 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 Lord, why? And they sat him next to a bodybuilder. (laughs) So there's these two big guys sitting next to each other. And he said he started talking to the other guy. And the other guy's like, why, why, why did they move me here? And so then Eric was looking for an opportunity to share the Lord with him. So he started talking about why he was going to the Philippines and why he was going to Taiwan and how he really wanted to to bring uh, the the Christian roots back into China by by film, by doing films and bringing these evangelistic films into China. As he was speaking, this man began to weep. And it turns out that he is the head of the Bread of Life ministry, which is the largest church planning ministry in all of Taiwan. And this man said that that he had brought 20 of his key leaders with him, and they were seeking the Lord, looking for answers. And and it it was such a divine moment because everything that Eric talked to him about was exactly what he and his team had been praying for. So Eric was planning to go to the Philippines. You know, we planted a church there, the Philippine Adventure, which is now the fastest-growing church in the Philippines. And I want to say thank you to you guys for your generosity because the money that you gave in our offering a couple of weeks ago will sustain that church for five months. So good job. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Um, when Eric first got to the Philippines, he said that it was just, they're five hours from civilization. There's no police there, no law. There's just wild. It's the jungle. There's monkeys and spiders and all kinds of things. And it's very hot there. And they just walk through the slums. Kevin and Shanna, just every, every few days, they just walk through the slums and they touch the people there and they minister to them and they invite them to church and they feed them and they meet their needs and you know 
our dollars can go so far in such an impoverished land. And Eric was able to minister to all of the pastors in the Philippines, um, all of the Foursquare pastors. And uh, we had met the president of the Philippine Foursquare Ministries at our pastor's conference last September. And let me just say, God is just doing incredible things, amazing things in the Philippines. And so Eric went from dire poverty to Taiwan, where, can you show the picture there? So (laughs) he's there with David, um, and he said that he is now ruined. He can never eat Chinese food here ever again because he said the food is so incredible. That's David. That was the man that he met at the Sundance Film Festival. He came and spoke here one Sunday. They have a really special connection, and God is just opening up so many doors. And um, he's been ministering in Taiwan to this leadership group, um, I'll just read you this text. Um, he says, I, I was ministering to the Christian leadership team. They told me that God brought me to initiate a move of evangelism and release for their nation. They believe that I brought them a spirit of release. I have prayed for people groups one after the other all day and all night. They keep bringing people to me. Tomorrow morning, they're bringing me to the hospital to pray for the dying. Please pray for me. I'm wiped out, but it's been quite an experience. I'm getting texts like this every day, just of the unbelievable, amazing things that God is doing. So um, please, please remember him in prayer. And um, if you wouldn't mind just indulging me now, if we could just pray together for him. Oh, let me show you the next. I'm I'm sorry, I forgot. This is him. He's ministering to the, remember the pastor that he met on the airplane. Um, This is the group of leaders He's ministering at their conference. And this gal that's interpreting, she's with Hillsong. You guys know Hillsong Ministries? And she, um, she's actually Australian, but she's interpreting for him. And then the next slide is um, just a flyer that they sent out. And he just said, God is just doing incredible things. So let's, let's pray together for him. Father, we thank you so much that you are the God who opens doors, you close doors. Lord, you do all things well. You do all things in your time. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you've provided. I thank you for Eric's willingness to be used for your glory. And we just pray for your protection. We pray that you would pour out through him, Lord, that you would keep him healthy. Lord, you would give him wisdom and insight and clarity and strength. And we just pray for your blessings on him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. If you would remember to be praying for him. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about a a subject. Oh, I think, oh, I have it here. I'm going to be talking about a subject that, that we don't discuss very often, but the Bible is replete with examples of this topic. Um, I actually have a friend down in Arizona, and he spoke on this for an entire year. He spoke on the topic of honor for a whole year. And he said when he got to the 52nd sermon on honor, he still had more information. So obviously, I'm not going to be covering 52 weeks worth of sermons. Thank the Lord, right? But um, I want to say that this is a really, really significant topic, and I have really felt the weight of it um, to bring this in a way that would honor the Lord. Uh, I think our society, the American society in particular, does not really 
understand honor. You know, if you watch sitcoms or movies, you know, there's not a lot of evidence of honor. People are not really honored very often. They're usually mocked, disdained, especially dads. You know, dads are really given the bad end of it. And and I'm going to try to to bring to you today what the definition of honor is, what the Bible says about honor, those we should honor, and how we ourselves can obtain honor. So um, for those of you that are biblical scholars, uh, the definition of honor in the Strong's Concordance is kabod, which means to be heavy, weighty, or burdensome. Now, this doesn't mean like burdensome as in like, oh, this is a drag. It means, uh, for example, um, a few years back, an elderly woman in our church gave me a really beautiful necklace, and I really enjoy wearing it. It's really pretty, and uh, I've just liked wearing that. It had a really special significance to me. But then one day, I walked into the grocery store, and the manager of the store looked at my necklace, and she said, oh my gosh, that necklace is incredible. I said, oh, thank you. And I told her the story. And she said, have you ever had that thing appraised? I'm like, no. She goes, that is worth so much money. And I was like, really? Wow. And then this morning, I dropped it. And I was like, no! (laughs) You know, it's that kind of burdensome. You know, like when you buy a new car, the promises you make... I will never eat in this car. I will never drink in this car. And then, you know, five months later, you're throwing fries in the back seat to the kids, you know. You know how when, it, when you first get it, it has that significance. It has that, that weight. Or if, you, if someone gives you a, a picture, let's say, for example, you've heard the stories about people that go to yard sales and they buy a picture and then they find out that the picture is worth millions of dollars, Right? Now, when you find out that it's worth millions of dollars, you don't just throw it in a closet, right? You set it up on the mantle with special lights and all of that, right? There's a significance, and that's really essentially what the word honor means, is to, to give a significance, to give a special place, to give a, a, a weightiness to it. Um, in the New Testament, it's tomeo, which means as of a great price, means precious, held in honor, esteemed, held dear. And I think that it's, that it's easy for us sometimes to forget about this principle, and I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later. But what I want to do, first of all, is um, if you would get out your smartphones or your paper Bibles or whatever it is that you happen to have, turn to Second Samuel 11, please. And I'm going to give you a story of contrast. 2 Samuel 11. This is a story of contrast of a man who acted honorably and a man who acted dishonorably. It says, In the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, okay, so the soldiers are, are out fighting, and he's having, taking a little nap in the afternoon, right? 
After his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, so David's out, he takes a little nap, then he goes out on his roof, and he starts lusting after a woman. Should have stopped there, right? That would have been the honorable thing, stop there, confess it to the Lord, and move on. But instead, he continues down the path of dishonor. He sends messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Now, she had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. And you read this and you think, why in the world is the Bible talking about her period? Seriously. (laughs) Is this necessary? Yes, it is. Because if you think about how a woman's cycle is, what it's saying here is that she came to the palace when when she was most fertile. It says, then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. So you see what David's doing here, right? So he is feeling pretty guilty at this point. He has slept with Uriah's wife. And now he knows she's pregnant. So he's like, okay, let's see. Okay, so if if Uriah goes home, then everybody will think that the baby belongs to him, right? But Uriah, it says, it says Uriah didn't go home, verse 9. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? You can see he's like getting stressed. Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Job and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. So you see the contrast here. David is trying to cover his tracks and hide everything and bury it. And Uriah is is acting like a man of honor, saying, "How how could I do this when my men are suffering? How could I go and indulge myself when the men that are fighting alongside me are suffering? And so um, it says... Uh, Where was I? Verse 11. Uriah replied, oh, no, I already said that one. I'm sorry. Uh, Verse 12. It says, well, stay here today, David told him. Tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David, panicking, invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, He slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab. This is his plan C. He gave it to to Uriah to deliver. 
The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy's soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed, along with several other Israelite soldiers. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but, this is the part to note, the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Okay, now think about this. David, who wrote most of the Psalms, David, of whom it is said is the man after God's own heart. He acted like this. He, he was lusting, he committed adultery, and he put a hit out on a guy. Very dishonorable behavior, wouldn't you say? But I love the fact that God defines him as a man after his own heart because as I referenced a couple weeks ago, Psalms uh, 32 and Psalm 51 that those are the prayers of repentance for when David opened his heart up to the Lord and repented for his sins. And he returned to the Lord in his own heart. And that's the God we serve. He is a God who is so gracious and compassionate because I think most of us, if we were given the role of God, we'd have just flicked him, right? Just like, you're done. You've blown it too badly, but we serve such a God of grace, such a God of grace that he defines us as precious and honored in his sight. It says that we are so precious and honored in his sight that he even gave up his own son as a ransom for us. That's the God we serve. And so that is who we honor, first and foremost, any, any other person that we honor is not as significant unless we really truly honor the Lord in our own hearts. It says in 1 Samuel 2, 30, I, this is the Lord speaking, but I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Doesn't that mess you up a little bit, your theology? I will despise those who think lightly of me. This is a big deal to God. Honoring him, putting a weight to his words, putting a significance to what he says and to his, and to his uh, spirit working in our lives. This is a big deal to God. Um, I'm sorry? Yes, amen. Yes, it is. Okay, So the Lord calls us first and foremost to honor him. And then as we honor him, he gives us the ability to honor others. Another uh, group that I really feel like our society has just completely cast aside is the elderly. In Leviticus 17.2, it says, Stand up in the presence of the elderly. Show respect or honor for the aged. Fear your God. I am the Lord. I, I delivered meals on wheels for several years and... I'm telling you, those people were so precious. You know, you go to their home and you bring them food. These people, they're the, they're the 
ones that have been cast aside by their families, by society, but they were a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I would sit down with them and I would ask them questions like, you know, what advice would you offer to a young person? Or what is the most significant thing you've learned throughout your years? Or, you know, I'd ask them to tell me their story or whatever. It was, it was so profound. But in our society, we, we uh, worship the, the young and the beautiful and really the inexperienced, whereas we have these elderly people that have so much to offer us. You know, the Bible talks about those who have gray hair and that that's a sign of, of wisdom. Um, so we are called to honor them. Another group that we're called to honor are father and mother. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, I have looked, and I have not been able to find a little clause in here that says you only have to honor them if they deserve it, or if they, you know, if they act honorably. And I used to tell my kids that when they were little all the time, because there were plenty of times that I blew it, and I would say to them, you know, you need to honor me not because I deserve it, but because the Lord says that when you honor me, things will go well with you and you will live long upon the earth, right? Think about it. Jesus is the one who said we should love our enemies, right? Pray for those that hate us, right? So is it so far, is it such a stretch for us to imagine that God would call us to honor even if our parents don't deserve it? And now, I'm not saying, of course, that if they're abusive um, in any way that you should put yourself in harm's way. Of course, I'm not saying that. But to understand the significance of their role in your life and their relationship with you and how it's impacted you. And I think even in recognizing that and recognizing that they did form you, whether, whether for good or for bad, and that the importance of that is something that has to be surrendered over to the Lord. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? Okay, so I, I, I know that this is a really deep topic and you could really visit this one for a long time, but I'm not going to. Um, only to say this. If you have bitterness towards your parents for your own sake, release them. Release them. Even if they were evil, even if they abandoned you or neglected you or hurt you, forgive them. Not because they deserve it, but because you want things to go well with you and you want your days to be long upon the earth. Don't you love how God even uses our selfish motivations to get us to do the right thing? He's, he's so smart. It's almost like he knows. So uh, the other one that's a little difficult here, First um, Peter 2, 17, it says, honor all people, all people. Love the family of believers, that's us, the family of believers, fear God, and honor the king. Now, we don't have kings in America, but we do have political leaders and that's who we're supposed to honor. Now, I've heard people say, well, I honor the office of the presidency, but I don't honor the president. 
Let's reread this. Hmm. Honor the king. It doesn't say honor the office of the king. Honor the king. And, and believe me, I, I don't discriminate. I have been critical of many of the presidents. I am guilty of this. I am guilty of, of having kind of been a little bit of a political junkie and kind of gotten really into that for a while. But my whole... The, the thing is that we are called to honor. And what is the most significant thing we can do to honor another human being? To pray for them. We clearly are not going to have any kind of an impact in the lives of those who lead us, except we can control things because we can pray. Not that we have the ultimate control. You know what I'm saying. We can go to the Lord and ask the Lord. If we disagree with them, we can ask the Lord to change their heart. We can pray that our, that our political leaders would be righteous, that they would come to know the Lord. Is that so far-fetched? You know that song we sang, the hope of all hearts, the hope of all political leaders is in, in Jesus. He is our only hope. He is the only hope for our nation. He is the only hope for any of us. Um, the next one that, that we're called to honor are our spiritual leaders. Uh, Lamentations 4.16, the Lord himself has scattered them, the people, and he no longer helps them. People show no respect for the priests and no longer honor their leaders. And Hebrews 13.8 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. In the same way that your parents may not have deserved to be honored, your spiritual leaders may not deserve to be honored. We're just like you. We're just human. We're doing the best we can. But it's a, you don't want to be a burden because that would be of no advantage to you. It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of got a little promise attached to it. Um, the next one is we are called to honor everyone. Again, First Peter, it says, honor all people. All people. Okay, so this cute little guy. Um, I was just down in Arizona with my mom, and we went to this peach festival, and incidentally, they ran out of peaches, which I found very ironic. But we were standing in line to get ice cream with peaches on them, and um, there was this little boy standing in front of me in the line, and he was absolutely adorable, and I st- struck up a conversation with him, and he was just so precious, and I said, I said, that hamburger looks so yummy, and he, he went to give it to me, and I just was like, wow, if we could just be like that to everyone, if we could just be that open like that little guy, and be that generous. Wouldn't that just be so amazing? And I don't think it's creepy at all that I took a picture of him without his mom knowing it. Don't sue me. (laughs) Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Ah, I love this. Take delight in honoring each other. You know when God created the heavens and the earth and the universe and the everything? It said, the Bible says that he said it was good. That was good. 
But when he created us in his image, he said that was very good. Did you know, this is an interesting fact, behind the wheel of every car is a human being. That when you drive on the road, those those cars that are moving have a person inside operating them. Did you know that? Hmm. Those idiots. Right? Oh, that guy is such an idiot. Oh, wow. (laughs) That idiot was created in God's image. And I'll tell you, it's it's so much nicer to be, to take delight in honoring. Let me just say it that way. Somebody wants to butt in front of you, it's like, do it unto the Lord. Take delight in honoring. Put, put more weight into, the, into their value and their importance instead of being so concerned about your rights. Right? Anybody convicted? Oh, just me? Oh, there's a couple of you telling the truth. <laughs> um, 1 Samuel 2.8 says, He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He, the Lord, sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor, for all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. You know, if we think that because someone is poor, they aren't as important as us, or if someone hits hard times that they're not significant and they're not of great value to the Lord, we're totally missing out on the opportunity to to take delight in honoring. And I think that's why the Bible is so specific about giving to the poor. I think, you know, I mean... So many times, the word of God encourages us to give to the poor. And you guys did that so beautifully. A couple weeks ago, you were so generous to the the poor people in the Philippines. And I just want to encourage you to continue to be generous to the poor. I'll, I'll move on. Finally... We are to honor those to whom honor is due. Romans 13, 7 says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You know, um, this week I was talking to a soldier And I said, hey, I'm going to be speaking on honor this week. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, my goodness. He had so many things to say about honor. And so I started to kind of of, um, research this a little bit about the soldier's creed and about honor in the military. Are there any... Uh, military people here today. Would you mind standing up, please? Way back there. Dave's back there. Any military people? Can we honor them? (laughs) 
I think that we should give honor to whom honor is due. And I, and I think that, you know, honoring our soldiers and those who have sacrificed for us is a really significant thing. The Soldier's Creed states, I am an American soldier. I am a warrior. Warrior. I am a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the army values. I always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. As this soldier was talking to me about honor and about the military, I started to, to see it's all about sacrificing for others. It's all about losing your life. It's all about giving up and protecting others. It's all it's all based on biblical principles, really, when you think of it. And not that, of course, the military, you know, has its, has its issues, of course. But the foundation of it is honor. And I think that we should honor those to whom honor is due. So it is possible for us to obtain honor for ourselves, I know it sounds kind of selfish, but if you think about it, when the Bible tells us to honor others, clearly that implies that we ourselves can receive honor, but it's not in the way that you would think. Second Chronicles 29, 12 states, Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. I refer back to this passage a lot when I've been rejected or hurt or overlooked or disdained or abandoned. I look, I look at this and then I'm reminded that wealth and honor come from the Lord, that he is the one that is in control of everything. And it really puts things in perspective because we are going to be hurt in our lives. We are going to be overlooked. You know, we're going to go through hard times and rejection and all of that, but the wealth and honor comes from the Lord. Power and might are in his hands and at his discretion, people are made great and given strength. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, humility, and humility precedes honor. Proverbs 18 says, haughtiness, or pride, goes before destruction, but humility precedes honor. If we want to be honored, we need to humble ourselves. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 7. By the way, if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, I strongly recommend it. You should always, always, always have a Bible with you. You don't ever want to be without your Bible. That's your sword, the sword of the Spirit. That's what the Bible calls itself. Luke 17, uh, verse 7. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the, dinner ta- or to, to the dinner were trying to sit at the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, "Uh, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, 
take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, in the kingdom of God, it's always upside down. It's always backwards from, what the, the way, from the way the world thinks. In the kingdom of God, the way to receive honor is to humble yourself. The way to save your life is to lose it, you know? And this week, uh, I, I, I like to take uh, my phone with me when I, I like to go on walks. I like to go on prayer walks, and I just I put the Bible, I put in my headphones and I just walk and I'll listen to the Bible and this week my jam was Mark I was really into Mark this week and I read this part and I just I hope you get the significance of this is Mark 4 uh, oops I didn't advance that I'm sorry Mark 4:24 this is Jesus talking get this okay get this I you know I don't ever want to stand up here and just give you a bunch of information that's the last thing I want to do I want the word of God to go deep into your spirit and to change your life. And Jesus says in Mark 4, 24, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. Isn't that so profound? The more we listen, the more understanding will be given. But if we're not listening, even what we have will be taken from us. And when the word of God puts such a significance on the principle of honor, honoring God first, honoring others, and being honorable by humbling ourselves. We can, we can understand so much about, about what the gospel is, about the fact that Jesus Christ, the most honorable, humbled himself and became like, like us and gave himself up for us. So in closing, what I would like to say, in thinking back over what I've talked about today, the the verses that I've read to you from the Bible. Think about if there's someone that you know you need to honor, whether it's a political figure, whether it's your parents, whether it's the Lord. Think about that. And we're going to just, you know, like the Bible says, we should examine ourselves before the Lord. So I'd like us to do that today, but then I'd like you to go a little bit farther. Can you each get your cell phone out? Everybody get out your cell phone. Yes, I'm asking you in church to get your cell phone out. Or a little piece of paper so you can write yourself a little note. I'm going to ask you to text yourself. You can do that. You know that? You can text yourself. (laughs) A reminder this week to make that an action point that you can take away from this message that you are going to honor whomever it is the Lord is calling you to honor.